Right, guys, very special episode today. Ball Magnets have collabed with the Mason Cox Show to put together a great podcast. We've got, obviously, Coxie, the main man, and Tommy Phillips, uh, former teammate of both of us at both Hawthorne for me and Collingwood, has started up Superboost, the future in sports hydration. We're going to talk about Ball Magnets' partnership with Superboost moving forward. Some incredible chats we had on this one. Uh, Flip, what did we cover off on? Uh, everything. Um, <laughs> we swapped passports in the US, uh, a lot of good footy memories and stories, and just chatting about business. It's been good. Correct. Yeah, we, we love getting to America. That's probably um, something that we've always looked forward to every off-season. Obviously, we like to get to Austin, Austin, Texas, best best part of the world, Coxie would say. So uh, plenty to cover off on and an episode you don't want to miss. Ball Magnets Podcast would love to thank this week's brand sponsor, Superboost, the next generation in performance hydration. Superboost is the only sports drink built by athletes for the next generation, formulated to boost performance and improve recovery. Superboost is packed with electrolytes, is low in sugar and calories, and an unbeatable taste across delicious flavors, including blueberry grape, strawberry watermelon, and my favorite, orange mango. Superboost is now available at stores including 7-Eleven, IGA, and more. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get straight into it. The two Toms. This is a big pod here. A lot of manpower in here, and there's a lot happening. And I think a lot of people want to really listen to podcasts, right? They want to hear the stories that no one tells them. They want to hear the stories in the offseason, you know, the stuff that happens outside of the media that everyone gets into. And I know you two have traveled a bit. You've done a bit of traveling in my home country in the U.S. Is there any great part of the world? Top 10. Yeah. I reckon we've been been, two or three times. Yeah. Probably go again Mm. this offseason. Any uh, any good stories? I've, I know a few stories, but I think well, the broader public needs to know this. I mean, you know, your your mates uh, and you know through your brother and great family mm. connections, um, our man James Bates, the Betatron. Shout out to the Betatron. Yeah, shout what out a great to you, man. Betatron. That's where we normally stay at Bates' house. Amazing. Mm. He plays Bates. for the uh, the Austin Crows, so in mm. the US AFL, which you're obviously an ambassador for, and I think they've won like six flags in a row. Like they just don't lose. I haven't lost. When was the last time they actually lost? Uh, they lost about three or four years ago, I think. Uh, my brother's been like MVP of the tournament, the national tournament, so many times over. And uh, yeah, it's an incredible, incredible place, Austin, Texas. Uh, just insane. Like just yeah. the amount of stuff that goes on from ACL to, you know, the F1 True. and everything else. It's a place for fun for all ages. The Longhorns <laughs> as well. Like we got to know Isaac Pearson, who was mm. the punter. I was on the phone to him today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, go. going well. Still got the Aussie flag the, on the back of the um, back of the. Have you seen facilities like that before? Like it just makes the AFL look. Yeah, Yeah, not great is what it makes the AFL look like. Like University of Texas, for those listening, is a place that is one of the top tier universities in America. Um, They've got anything and everything. The money they make has to go back into the facilities. They can't spend it really on anything else. So they end up essentially beefing their facilities up to be Mm. the best of the best. So they're the same and pretty much on par with a lot of NFL facilities. Mm. Um, You've got names above lockers. You've got, you know, all these kind of things where you sit inside the locker. I try to explain this to a lot of people back home. Is like, or sorry, here is where you like sit in a chair inside your locker. And then it's like, you got drawers either side, you got the lights and everything else. They've got a barber shop inside there. Like there's an arcade. An arcade. Like it's, it's crazy. I mean, like whenever you go to those places, do you sit there and go like, oh, AFL's got a fair way to go. Yeah, but I don't feel like we don't need that stuff. I, I feel mm. like they don't even use half of it. It just nah. looks it looks good. 
Yeah. Um, I remember we did the facility tour, which we've done a few times. We went onto the oval or the field as they called it. Yeah. And we were just having a kick around with the NFL ball and our ball and teaching a few of their players about AFL and they pointed up to a few of the boxes um, in the stadium. Do you remember what they said? For- yeah, yeah, they were saying, you know, they're owned, you know, it's 20 million bucks for per year or yeah, something. For eight, season. So, yeah, yeah I think something it was, like that. Which like, is like 12, just eight or nine so home there games. 10, there was 10 boxes yeah. for $12 million. They had to pay 12 million US to get the box for the season. So you're paying over a million per game. Per game. Yeah. And there's about 10 boxes. <sighs> That is some serious. These are the amount of companies. These are you know yeah. big operators. That, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, Bevo even. You know, yeah, <laughs> he's a famous, famous cow. Let's talk about him. Oh, yeah. Bevo. Bevo's the famous cow that they uh, tranquilize before games to yeah, make him sure he's calm. Well, he sleeps yep. the whole game. He's the mascot. Yeah, and he do they tranquilize it because he sleeps I the think whole they game. Give him a little bit of a horse tranquilizer. Let's have to fact check that. But yeah. Anyway, the atmosphere in Austin is awesome. We like to get to America most mm. years. Obviously, a bit of business with what we're doing with Ball Magnets and Super Boost, and then obviously good to travel around. Last year, we actually went um, – remember when you missed your flight to the US? So I was actually one out yeah, for yeah. the first part of the leg. Yeah. Um, your Esther didn't go through, so you, <laughs> you got sent around at the airport. Yeah, She's not yeah, filled out? Or? Yeah, I don't know. It was uh, – yeah, it took, <laughs> took, to took a while to go through. It actually ended up being 10 minutes too late. So I could have actually still yeah. boarded the plane. Did you do it out there? He did it live. Yeah. It was live and exclusive. I was yeah. doing that thing. And they, um, Real Tom Brown scenario. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, Tommy Brown. And they turned it back. Um, so yeah, I had to uh, wait another 24 hours. And, a bit of silver yeah. lining. That's the night I met Dan McStay the first night. Because I'm like, yeah. well, i got to find something to do. So I went to the basketball. And I didn't know Lakers, Dan McStay. Right? Lakers, it was yeah. a preseason game. And yeah, Dan McStay was in the line buying tickets and he said, hey, come watch the game with us. And so I got to know Dan. We we hung out for a couple of nights and Flip joined in on the trip and off we went. At that point, cool. did you know you were going to Collingwood or was this before the trade period? So we kind of like, you know, the media had an idea. Um, Dan and I sort of had a, a look at each other as if we both kind of knew, but we didn't really know. I <laughs> uh, said, is your trade gone through? And he said, oh, mine's about to go through tonight. I'm like, oh, well, we better... We better get dinner and, and things like that and, and celebrate. Um, I was hopeful, obviously, that Miles Trade was going to go through maybe a week or so later. So, yeah, we hung out for a couple of days until Flip got the ESSA approved. Yeah, it was amazing. Because yeah. <laughs> Dan was Dan was kind of touted to come to Collingwood for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you were a bit of a last second, you know, in, I guess, as far as the trade goes. Like, so you were sitting there looking at him going, I know where you're going, but you have no idea that I'm about to be your future teammate. Yeah, pretty much. Mine was obviously probably not as well publicized like Dan I think from the halfway point of the year it was known that he was going to go back to Victoria and that Collingwood were chatting to him Uh, there were some rumors that I was going to Collingwood but yeah it was nothing as far down the line as his trade so you're overseas Mm. you're not in Australia like is there a medical that you have to do overseas or is there some kind of doctor thing you would think that would have to go through before you kind of get signed on or what's like what's the process of getting traded while internationally you know, yeah, overseas. I think in regards to your body, like I'd missed a game in about four years. So that's yeah. probably enough to know that, um, you know, you, you're going to be fine. You, you still do catch up with the medical team. So I caught up with Fuxi the physio and Sammy Harker, the doctor. My trade went right down to the wire. I reckon there was two minutes left. Yeah. We were in Miami when we went and saw a, a mate of ours, Lou Headley, who, uh, University Lou. of Miami. Yeah. It, it was like in the middle of the night in Miami. We were like, well, I'm, I couldn't sleep. So I'm like, I got to mm. stay up. And then, we're all sort of sitting around the phone, refresh, refresh, refresh. My manager actually said it was a good thing that I was away and out of the country because yeah. he didn't want, 
you know, my head noise to be, you know, thinking about what the media was saying and things. He's like, go away, have a break. He's like, leave it with me. I'll sort sort out what needs to be sorted. And yeah, and then it went through with literally a minute to go. We're with- Me and Nank just jumped on The Nankasaurus, one of my other mates, Lockie Nankervis. Peter Nankerville. Yeah, they, what a they jumped on me and- yeah, a celebration turned into a bit of a wrestle. So me and Nank were <laughs> boys, as boys do on footy trips. But um, nah, it was a it was a pretty cool moment. And to have two of your best mates over there to share that with you was pretty cool too. What was that? What was his reaction like, Tom? You were there on the day. Well, me and you have both been traded a few times. They listed. You're still going. You both are still going. It's it's a weird feeling when you're going from one, you know, place that you've had you know a lot of memories at, and then yeah. going to another place. Um, I couldn't imagine. Looking at the perspective, you know, trying to get perspective around it, you, you look at every other sport, the NBA, EPL, you know, the big global sports, when they trade people, when they do that sort of stuff. Like it's it's amazing like how, yeah, it can be like a weird feeling for us, but at least there's like a bit of a lead time with like I reckon you sort of know things are going to happen and then when mm-hmm. it does happen, it's shit, okay? But yeah. then sometimes, you know, in these other sports, man, like I, it, they can be traded – within a few hours. They don't even know. Sometimes they find out through the media, the communication's poor and through the athletes we've got to know through business, like you hear stories and we're like, well, we've actually got it pretty good here. Like Mm. the transparency and Mm. your involvement and saying where you want to go and what you want to do is much superior in the player's favor compared to American sport. It's very different. AFL is the guaranteed contract part of it is very unique to probably any other sport around. Like you don't just get moved around and I'll never forgive whenever I was growing up. There's a guy that was playing for the Dallas Mavericks who got traded while he was in a game. Like yeah, traded during the game, and he's that. sitting yeah. on the bench to even realize, and he's yeah. sitting there going, "Like you need to leave." He's like, "Why?" He's like, "You've just been traded to whatever team. Now you got to go fly over there, and you got to live there, and that's yeah. just that's yeah. your future." Yeah. So it is it is quite different, and like pretty yeah. pretty cool in that sense. I think there's a bit of a a, cult, a cultural want for players to stay at a team for a long time, where in other like overseas markets and stuff, no one expects a player to play for the same yeah. team their whole career. Yeah. If that makes it's sense, that whole Culture. concept around yeah. being a one club player, which. I don't know. Does, does loyalty exist? I don't really know. If it's it does, changing. I, I think yeah. it's changing quite a bit now. Yeah. So I feel like clubs, as soon as they're done with the player, you know, they, they mm. won't have an issue. They'll do what's best for well, them. Yeah, and vice Mid-season trade and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it'll be yeah. very interesting to see it's what that stuff. goes with. But I think on that, if the mid-season trade happens, you have to have both parties agreeing that that's okay. I think I don't think like the AFL can go in and say like you're going to move to Queensland next week. And you're going to have to find a new place and everything else. If they do do that, then you have to have some kind of financial remuneration for that. Like you can't just all of a sudden say, like, see you later. There's not enough money in AFL Players to make that okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's but a good point. Back to the Collingwood thing, though. Like, I, you know, it was a real possibility in the days leading up to the final day of the trade week. Mm. And obviously, I'd flipped to lean on because he'd had a great career at Collingwood himself. He played in the 2018 grand final. He'd been there. How many years did you have there? Five, I think. Over so 100 so games. Back when you start, sort of. Yeah. yeah. So he'd been there and yeah, <clears throat> he talked me through, you know, what the club's like. Um, we FaceTimed Brash, the, one of the other physios as well. Brash, we got to know Brash over the phone. Brash, a lot of great But people. just spoke me through, you know, how, how much of a great club it is, the fan base, like, you know, the experience of game day and the crowds. And, you know, it was a helpful selling point as well. Yeah, far out. And this is, I want to ask this question, this passport question. Now, there's a story within this time frame of this all happening. So this must have been the day after. stuff that was happening, There's yeah. a bit of parent trap, you know, twin <laughs> swapping of passports. Is that true? Yeah. My there's mistake. A few, there's a few <laughs> things. We are going from Miami to Austin. We, for some reason, we had a separate flight about half an hour apart. There was a tornado coming in. There was a hurricane. Yeah, Miami, yeah, yeah. Miami yeah, hurricane. Yeah. Miami hurricane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not up to its name. So, yeah, yeah that was – I went early and um, – Tommy and Nank were uh, coming after, but yeah, somehow 
Yeah, By mistake, I, he grabbed my passport. I end up with this guy's passport. He's got mine. <laughs> yeah. um, not to mention, couldn't check in my um, big luggage bag in time, so I had to leave it at the airport anyway. <laughs> jump over to Austin with a with a backpack yeah. and a little carry on. Oh, so, yeah. and then the bag ends up being there for fifty two days until I go back. Fifty two days. Yeah, but I go back I'm about six they, weeks later. To I'm surprised down. I kept it there for you. Yeah, they throw it up. up. Yeah, no, yeah, it was, it was in it was in the <laughs> like oversized. No, not oversized, just like um, storage. What was the look they gave you when you went back to pick your baggage and they're like, what are you doing here? Yeah, they're going, what are you, how are you back here? Why do you even bother coming back? (laughs) I mean, that's, yeah, that that story in itself is is pretty rogue. You had some good kids and things in there that needed to be retrieved. Yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah. Like it was worth going back for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it ended up being a bit of a, bit of a, uh, a cost. But yeah, yeah. And was the passport <laughs> part of this? Uh, no, nah, no, nah, we, we ended up working that out. I don't know how. I don't know. We, how we, we that sort of said that worked. we're, you know, which we are. Both what did our you names. Say to him? Well, both our names, Tom. We're traveling together. Somehow our passports mixed up. I was kind of like, like, I had my ID and stuff, and I was like, this is an honest mistake. I think they checked the flight you were on. It's a bit of a. So I think, I think, I think I gave them my passport. They didn't really look at it and go, they just like scanned it, put yeah. it in. And I just, and they're like, yep, just going back. And I keep going. But I don't know how yeah. it worked with you. Well, I remember because he called me. He's like, hey, because- um, do you have my passport? Because I got yours. And then I looked. I'm like, oh, I've got oh, yours. No. But then my guy who I went through the security, he looked yeah. at mine. Yeah, so. And he's just going, this is not you. <laughs> <laughs> he's gone. And I sort of go yeah, on the no, front mate. foot. I'm like, look, <laughs> I can explain this. You're this ready. Is, You're sitting there at the line like, going honest, like, oh, I've got my story in my head. Pretty quick. But yeah, I obviously had all my IDs and cars and explained what happened. Did he put you fun. in like the box? I don't know if anyone's ever been there in the airport where if you get in trouble, you get put in this like little box area and they nah, get like you It was grilled. pretty crazy to be honest. It was more, we just laughed about the fact that um, <gasps> obviously there was the <laughs> missed international flight and then we've somehow changed identities for about an hour. So, <laughs> But we got to Austin, our favorite city in America and uh, never looked back. Had a great trip there. Went to Barton, Barton Springs. Springs. ACL. Spot. Yeah, Barton Do you Springs love Barton? Yeah, I love yeah. Barton. Love the Barton Springs. <laughs> what do you call the big meat house places you can eat? What are they called? Barbecue. Barbecue joints. Barbecue yeah. houses. Yeah. Smokehouses. Yeah. The great. Smokehouse. Yeah. yeah. Franklin's. Yeah. If anyone's been to Franklin's out there, they know it's a, one of the best in the world down there in Austin. Um, we'll get- we'll Everybody get in, dance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into another one. The Vegas yeah. to Phoenix trip. Now, a bit of petrol. Tom- I have to tell this story. This is actually a story I wasn't planning ah, to bring up on yeah, here. And I, you know exactly yeah, what I'm going to bring up. At one point in my life, oh. I was going down to the peninsula, right? And I'm going to Tom's house. And Tom's, um, I'm pretty much there. It's 2017, 18, right? And you got a beautiful place down there. Shout out to the fam. And um, I get this call from Tom. I'm like, where are you at? And he's like, oh, I had a bit of a bundle. <laughs> I was like, what is it, Tom? Oh. What could possibly be the issue? He's run out of petrol on the highway. This is like the Four main Cranberg, highway. Cranberg Road. Four yeah, Cremer Road. East Link or Peninsula Link. And he's yeah. called me up like a dog with his tail between the legs going, oh, can you can you come bring me a kettle or a can no, no, with petrol, can. please? A jerry yeah, can. Go, go, to, go to the petrol station. Go, to, go yeah. to the petrol no, station. In Sorrento at this point? I was already there. And he said, drive back to get the jerry can, fill it up with you know petrol, and then come find me on the side of the highway somewhere and drop it off so I can fill my car up. This is yeah, hey, this describes you pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It does. And this is not the first yeah, time you've almost yeah. run out of petrol. Apparently in Phoenix. A lot. Yeah, yeah. We nearly yeah. ran out of petrol. Well, before that, so we that went funny. we went to Vegas because the Lakers were playing a preseason game. 
Mm. And we've got to know the head of security, John Stern at the Lakers, quite well. He's a friend of ours. Love you, Johnny. Shout out to Johnny. And uh, yeah, we we got to the game. We just made it in time for the game. We paid a silly amount for seats yeah, yeah. because and that it was very last that minute. Didn't until the third quarter or something. Yeah, because we, we didn't organize prior because we we're hoping might be able to meet LeBron. That was the yeah. sort of big ticket item. That we were like, well, we pace, can't, we can't, we can't pass this piece. That up. was the righto. So we got on. We met John. We met a few of the players. We got on the court in the stadium in Vegas. Was cool. We didn't meet LeBron, which flattening, but you know, it was a preseason game. He, he had to get out of there, and yeah, so. We were only in Vegas for a night for the basketball. Then the next day we went to, we'd heard Phoenix was really cool. So we're like, well, let's drive to Phoenix. And we thought it'd be like four hours. Like we we're kind of measuring on the map. We're like, oh, it's roughly like kind of, I don't know, like Melbourne to- Usually, and usually you don't sleep Adelaide. in Vegas, Coxie, but we actually slept the full 12 hours. Yeah, we had a great You slept so 12 hours in Vegas. That's, hours. You didn't do Vegas right then. No, we didn't. <laughs> That's all right. We, 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 actually, we want to do it our way. Health, yeah. wellness. Yeah. Health, Health wellness. wellness. Yeah. <laughs> so smoothies and things. Correct. Yeah. Bodies of temple. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, but in yeah, so back, back to the- How good is that? How good are the in and out? Just the- Thick shakes and uh, oh, that and they get a big top two. wrap, don't yes. they? They get a huge, huge, huge yes. wrap. At introduced me first that one. Huge. And we also what was the car? We had a Mustang that was cool. Yeah, that was we, cool. We you know you can get really cool cars in America. Yeah. We had a Mustang which was cool. Anyway, we we drove from Vegas to Phoenix the next day, thinking it'd be about four hours. And Hoover midway Dan, through, Dan? huge, yeah, yeah. great spot. Yeah. We underestimated the time. It actually ended up taking us eight hours. We were in the eight. middle of the desert. Yeah, too long. And we were hitting low on the petrol bars <laughs> again. We, 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 we were in it. trouble. Oh, and we, no. we pulled over to this like parking sleep spot and we That's ran to this guy. Like, Beautiful hey, mate, day. Like, it was, you know, top. I, I had my pink, my bright pink shorts yeah, board on. Shorts, you know? Yeah, Yeah. Um, the guy said, we're like, oh, we, where's the nearest, you know, petrol station for you, man? Like, do you know this place? And he's like, oh. His accent. It's like, <laughs> like, I think you're um, all in trouble. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's 25 miles away. I don't know what you're gonna do. It's like, oh yeah, we're. I think we got like 10, 15 in us, maybe. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you, you boys ain't gonna make it. And also <laughs> at this time, Flip, Flip was obviously his name was being thrown around in trade discussion as well, yeah. and he had a he had a phone call on with Sen on trade radio. So we also needed to find oh, reception. Yeah, to get that so to hey, be done. Tommy, like we got, we got a call in like an hour. We need to like yeah. either not. We need to get some petrol. We so can't. We, yeah, we somehow found a, a McDonald's in the middle of the desert in like Phoenix and flips like standing up on this bench, like getting reception during a call with <laughs> SEN. Um, and then, yeah, we got to Phoenix. Well, we somehow made it without losing. Like we were on, we we're on empty. Yeah. And we, we would have been in massive strife. Oh, gosh. But somehow, you know, the car just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah, it kept going. <laughs> I saw one thing on uh, Hamish and Andy. Apparently, you can go 100Ks over the empty. And you're still good. Yeah. Well, we were doing, remember, yeah, like, we, we'd, well, we'd, I mean, yeah. I've, what the story you told before, right? You know, I've pushed, we've all pushed that. Yeah. Barry and we, we, we hit some the some more, more of that. <laughs> <laughs> you it'll let the car roll out. Like, you use a bit of petrol, you let it roll out. Mm. Yeah. And then we hit it again. Correct, let correct. it roll out. Yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah, neutral yeah. for a bit. But we had, oh, we had a lot of time together, discussed all sorts of topics. Could we talk about the, the environment and the landscape? Like, the, the topography and just like the desert and the, yeah. the, mountainous area it was just beautiful like, like there's nowhere else nowhere else in the world that's like it's so unique that yeah. whole you go through like that you got the grand canyon you go out to arches national yeah. park you got yeah. bryce and you've got zion that whole area around utah is just beautiful it's it's like you, you, you're there and you really feel like you're in a desktop background which is like terrible to say because that's how we envision things in our life but like to sit there and experience that is just something that's yeah. almost like spiritual around it you know it's a it's an amazing place if anyone's uh, out there listening that hasn't been definitely recommend it but a lot of times we you, you know 
athletes, you know, like yourself, myself, everyone like kind of goes over to America to experience sport, right? Like what would be the number one thing either one of you would experience over there? Like bucket list item I'm talking about. Let me just talk about the story around this yeah. ice hockey, right? I say so <laughs> six, <laughs> six weeks, six weeks later when I go and <laughs> we, we go back over um, to New York, do some stuff with, with Patty Mills with, with super boost. So did some yep. filming, that sort of stuff. But a few days before that, we went a little bit earlier um, flew in this, this all happened in about 24 hours, but I flew from <laughs> Melbourne to LA stop over for two hours, LA to, um, JFK, yep. JFK straight to Madison square gardens, walked in with two bags, um, of, of luggage sat, um, in the crowd. I was meeting a few other mates there. They were sitting in the opposite side, mm. watched the ice hockey. Awesome. Awesome. Fun. Great. Then um, had some dinner after that, dropped the bags back to the hotel, had a few drinks, and then the next morning at 10 to 6 a.m., took a flight from New York to Miami to get my bag. Jeez. Got my bag. Freaking flyers up. Two-hour stopover, back to New York that afternoon. Two-hour stopover Miami. You went to Miami just to pick up your bags and go back. Yeah. That's, yeah, I don't know yeah, what was in that bag that you outrageous. needed so desperately, yeah. but it had to yeah. be worth something. That's work, yeah. right? Contest, that's, yeah. that's, that's contest, contest, contest. I always right. turn up. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah wow. Well, I mean, it's a great exactly, piece in the yeah. story. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> wow. There's a few pieces, isn't there? Yeah. So you do the ice hockey is what you'd go for? Uh, no, it's not what I'd go for, but I think I think a, I think a Super Bowl would be good. Or NBA final, I reckon. Yeah. 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 I, I was, I'm final. a huge basketball fan, as you know, so I'd say NBA finals would be awesome. Having said that, the Texas Longhorns home game was incredible. Like mm. the entertainment side of things and, you know, just packing a hundred thousand people into a, a stadium like that, like just such a cool feel to it. I don't know. It's, it was so unique. Do you think there's a way that AFL can do that better? Entertainment? Oh, for sure. But they're doing it. They're, they're starting to do it. Starting to do it. Halftime show of Super Bowl? No. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting halftime shows, though, for the uh, the yeah. AFL Grand Final. Well, I think even whenever we go up, you know, like through the banner, we've got like fire and all that kind of stuff now. It's like a bit of an entertainment for yeah. everyone. They, sh- yeah. You know, the lights go off, they shut it down, and kind of gets a bit of atmosphere going with that. I think it's, they're taking subtly little chunks here and there in the progression to become something that's quite spectacular. Yeah, it's a mix of a few things, I reckon. Like it's it's budget and what resource you have. Mm-hmm. It's it's culture and what's sort of expected and, and you know, how to improve that whole outlook and then it's um yeah like it's 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 the offering around yeah you, you just want better creativity and energy around that stuff but like i think teams are getting more you know through their outside of the football department stuff you know being able to then create those sort of things for membership for fans that type of stuff more engagement like it's i think it's improving like it's on it's and obviously a lot of the american stuff is a really good um really good to look at that and see that and go, okay, this is sort of probably world leading when it comes to entertainment and commercialization of these things. But yeah, I think mm. it's budget and market. Like that's the U S is probably a little bit ahead and it's got a bigger population. There's, there's a lot happening, but Aussies have, there's a unique sort of feel to, yeah, especially in AFL, yeah. right? There's, there's a unique following with that too. And I know a lot of Americans, especially, you know, you would have seen it. Um, I really, when they first see the, the sport and they watch it and they go, what is this? Like, I never knew this existed. Crazy, they really love man. it. Yeah, You're yeah. nuts. I yeah. can't believe it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's cool. It's really cool for them. Pads. They, yeah. can't, yeah. they can't get their head blows around blows their mind. Eh? 100%. Yeah. I think in terms of travel to America though, like in terms of personal development, which is, you know, 
a lot of our trips to America have been based on, you know, performance, how we can improve as athletes, but also learning about, you know, what we can do, say, with Flips doing with Superboost and all the athletes that he's uh, met and who have, you know, bought into Superboost, for example, like obviously Patty Mills and Joe Ingalls, yeah. Sam, like we try and connect with, you know, a few professional teams over there each season, whether it be in the NBA or the college teams and connect with athletes and, and learn. Um, so I, that's the thing I love about American sport is because, you know, in, in terms of sports science, Australia is quite advanced and we're very good, but there's so many things you can still learn from American sport and just the way they operate. And I guess coming back to the athletes themselves is a really good starting point. With, with that point as well, you mate, there's so many Australian athletes that have gone over there, especially in the football yeah. space. High performance with, managers too. Yeah. With college footy. Too, yeah. yeah. So like obviously through Miami, through Austin with Isaac and, and Lou that were there, um, you know, these individuals that there is, there's heaps, there's heaps of guys now over there that, you know. Even yeah. the NBA, like yeah. more and more Aussies every season. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like so. I mean, that's and, that, and yeah, that's that's a good thing about that. It's good to see, and then especially guys that have been on AFL lists as well that might have been delisted, or you know, they get to a stage and then they actually go and you know, Mitch McCarthy over in Orlando, yeah, um, Flynn Appleby, yeah, over Flynn there, Appleby, yeah. Damon Greaves, Greaver, you know, yeah. he's going over like these sort of guys that have finished up, had a short stint with their their footy career here, and then they go um, and want to try and do something over there. It's cool. I've got to ask this because. I've known both of you two as AFL players, right? And very different pregame routines. Now, you've probably picked up a few things along the lines, probably more Titch than you, Tom. I hate to say it, but Tom Mitchell is at three hours, four hours, five hours before a game, maybe starting to get ready. Tom, you just kind of rocked up and just was like, let's do this thing. Did you, does he talk to you before the game? Uh, not I've a ton, no, but like it, yeah. he's so myself and him are always the last ones out of like. So we go to the facilities before we go to the MCG yeah. and we'll do all of our prep work and everything in there. And we're always like the last ones to kind of leave even training sessions and stuff. Like we're always the last ones to leave. Yeah. I always see him. You you do these, like the handball juggle and then you do also the jiu-jitsu yeah. flips. I don't, I don't know how to describe it, to be honest. I'd say it's, yeah, I do things differently for you, sure. I love it. Though. Yeah. I absolutely and love I it. And I cop some flack for Geordie to go. He loves giving Huge. it to me, but well, well, it's just what I need to do to get the best out of myself. That's yeah. what I like to do as well. Uh, you, 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 still, you still sit out there at the end of the training sessions? That's how, that's how the best players yeah, yeah, stay I'll the best. Yeah, try to kick goals. It didn't yeah. happen this week, unfortunately. <laughs> I love it. Way, like, isn't it funny, as you mentioned, you look around the locker room before a game, there's so many different yeah. guys doing different things. Some guys need to be calm. Some guys go to the quiet room, lock themselves in. They mm -hmm. can't be around any noise. Some guys are blasting tunes. They love it. They're dancing. Other guys are doing jujitsu, rolling uh, on the floor. Tommy, Tommy never. Tommy like would always like throughout the week. We'd just be, you know, training, training hard, doing all that sort of stuff. But then taking the piss and a lot of banter and uh, you know, yeah. and, in Hawthorne days. But then when he gets to games, he just locks in. Right? Is there any one piece of advice around prep of yourself, your body, whatever it may be, for games, career, whatever it may be, in that sense that you would want to pass on to someone else? Yeah, I, I think it's got to be individualized like as, as much as it can for um, people. Like we've all got different upbringings, different coaches and things that make us tick with our personality um, yeah. and, you know, our character and the way that we sort of go about our preparation and recovery and, and trying to perform in a certain environment that's, you know, high pressured and mm. um, there's a lot of strain around that from different areas. So like if you're better at sort of keeping, you know, things out, not getting too much of information or advice from certain people, but then you'll, you know, you'll take it from 
one person specifically with, you know, stuff you got to do with your game or whatever it is, then that might work for you. If you're more jovial and you've got to feed off everyone else's energy and get around everyone else, you know, we know guys that are like that, some that just are into their shell. Like, I don't think it's a one size fits all. I don't I think know about you. one thing our club does really well. Yeah. I, I think both during the week in terms of guys know what they need to do. And we got a pretty experienced list, so that obviously helps. But I think the club are very good at like, you know, you need you know what you need to do. Like even in our warm up, like you'll see guys, it's not it's not a one size fits all. I think that's just such an old school approach. Like it's yeah. very individualized during the week, on game day, what you need to do, then we come together as a unit and it comes all together. It's so true. I think a lot of people think that you have the two hours you play a game every single week and that's all that happens. Which people don't even realize like there's probably maybe four to five hours of prep work before you know that even happens on the day right so like you know you've got all the stuff from sleep and diet and everything else that goes into it that's a 24 7 job and then like even at our club and you were part of this with paula like we have a, a ballerina that essentially sets an individual program for each person to prep yourself for training for game days and different muscles you want to activate and different things that might take you an hour to go through just to be able to you know train like it's there's so many little meticulous things along the way that people don't see that they only see the outcome of and then they only see this small amount of time that you're actually out on the ground, which is probably, you know, maybe a tenth of the actual time you put in through the week. Yeah. Um, it's such an interesting thing. And um, it's been insane. But I want to I wanna ask this because I was just thinking about Buddy Franklin playing his, what might be the last game right at the MCG and things like that. Like, mm. do you all have any favorite memories on the MCG? Tom, I'm going to say, I'm hoping it's not the time you got knocked out and kicked a goal at the same time because I was yeah, sitting there right next to you whenever that, that happened. It yeah, was that happened. Yeah, scary yeah. times for me. You, Have you somehow just laughed it off. Your goal, it's been unconscious. <laughs> so you were on autopilot. <laughs> autopilot. Yeah, I was. No, just, he's, he's got a you know he's got a sixth sense for the goals. Yeah. What game? How'd you get knocked out? Chris May named me in the head. Yeah. Round, oh, <laughs> friendly fire. Round eight, uh, 2018. September oh yeah. eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something like that against Geelong. Yeah. That what's was, your best? Uh, what's your best memory outside of that? Ah oh, man, I think I remember we like we had a run similar to what you know watching the Pies now, like just a run where you just win those close games mm. and you just you know 2017. I remember we would be in a lot of games, but we would sort of lose by maybe one, two, three goals. And we just, the group almost hadn't connected and matured and meshed as well as it yeah. could have. And then it's almost like that. We went through a stage where we would then win those tight arm wrestle games mm -hmm. the following year and just knowing that, all right, we're, we're onto something here. And like, it's, it's probably similar to what you guys are feeling now where like you, there's just so much confidence and energy running through the group where like you just back, yourself in and yeah. you, you know you'll win those tight games against other teams across four quarters so like that final series 2018 was pretty um, was enough. pretty cool yeah those big big crowds and that sort of stuff is it I'm going to ask you, Titch, was it whenever you got 54 disposals against us in 2018 or was it <laughs> <laughs> so obviously last night Pendles broke the all time disposal yeah. record and uh, the roar around the stadium was like wow it was like some like it was like a team had won a final or a grand final. Like it was so loud. I'm not sure whether it was because the roof and it was enclosed, but that was loud. I remember that game. Was it round one? Did you say? I want to say. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I remember like it was late in the last quarter, and the crowd started clapping. Yeah. And like, like later on, I learned why because because of that record. But during the game, I was like, "What are they clapping for? Like, has someone done something hilarious in the crowd?" So I was actually thinking about it, and then. It made sense. I got interviewed after the game, I think by Abby Holmes, yeah. actually. And then it made more sense then. But so um, you didn't realize it at the time. No, nah, no idea. Wow. Um, 
no idea. But You're just getting bulk pill going like yeah. <laughs> leather poisoning one on one. His preparation recovery, like he just is so strict and so he just he's so sure of what he does and it works, you know. And yeah. he's just been doing it's it like just as well. the consistency. Like he's just, he's shredded. Yeah. Yeah, but also shredded. like I don't know, like you guys have obviously played with him longer than I have. I've only known him for six months, but he's just like such a good guy, such mm. a good teammate, so selfless, like Sometimes, you know, with superstar players like that, I, I had no idea he was like that. He's all just about the team, genuine excitement about making others better, making the team better. He's all about that. That's And it's like he's one of my favorite teammates I've ever played with and I've only known him for six months. I think he's also a person that, um, you know, he's he's almost like a coach on the field. Yeah. You know, you talk about meetings. He knows every single role of every single player within the team, even if it's like a key forward, a position you'll probably never play. He knows exactly where that person needs to be at all times during the game. Yeah. Like, you'll be sitting there looking at him. I'm like, I've been playing for nine years. And he's going, you need to be five meters to the left. And I'm like, shit, you're right. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. damn it. Yeah. It's just he's insane. So but another thing I'll say, Tom and Titch, one of these things I've realized, you've been here for six months, right? And it's, I think about, you know, people are listening, maybe something they can take out of the podcast, right? Like you came into the club very quickly, was able to gel with the team and then learn the game plan, be confident in speaking up in meetings and things like that. Like, was there any nervousness going into the club whenever you were traded? So I made a conscious effort that as soon as my trade went through, you know, I wasn't going to start day one of preseason with everyone. I was going to start in the off season and, and anytime there was a group training session, I was going to be there every single session. And I didn't miss one starting from October to our official start of the preseason, which was December one, I think. So, um, you know, you talk about great leadership. I think it was Pendles actually who, as soon as us new guys, myself, Billy, Bobby, Dan, Leggy, as soon as we got traded, Pendles added us, added us into the team players WhatsApp group, made us feel welcome. And then guys were inviting us to sessions and come here and, you know, do weights or come here and let's have a kick. And, and so, by the time the official pre-season started, I feel like I knew everyone. I was yeah. so comfortable already. Such a great group of guys. We worked really hard and then we got to work officially with the staff on day one. But I guess that's where the confidence and um, the comfort came from because I felt like I knew everyone and they gave me the confidence to do that. Yeah. I want to ask you a question. Um, yeah. because Why don't we interview you for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Step brother. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, you've known Fly for, you know, since yeah. you sort of got there. Long time. How have you seen his development and, you know, I guess maturity from development sort of coach towards head coach and, like, his sort of journey through – yeah, I guess yeah. the existence of it's interesting because we've all had the experience, right? You both played at Hawthorne. Remember, he was the you know development coach there, and Fly's a person that's probably been development coach for, for what fifteen years of his career or something like that. He was like, assistant like a, coach at Hawthorne. Assist, sorry, assistant yep. coach. Yeah, um, but he was development coach for that for a long, long time. And you think of like our list is we do have some of the experienced guys on the top end, right? They've been there for a while, and then we've got a lot of young guys on the list that are quite youthful. And like to have someone who's been a development coach who's been interacting with this, uh, that age group, you know, people like changing and trying to get into the AFL system and stuff like that. Like it's probably given him the best experience possible to be able to handle the personal relationships mm -hmm. that he has to deal with within our club. Um, but for me, like I've, I've known him for a long time, obviously. And he's, um, it's kind of weird now, like, cause he's always been a friend of mine, but now for him to be a head coach, like you, you kind of have that not necessarily like, um, like nervousness around him, but like, you know, that he's, you know, he's top level now, like, and he's, he is where the buck stops. And like, whenever he says something, that's how it goes. And, um, he has to be a bit more, I guess, direct sometimes being a head coach. And, 
Um, he's really good with being able to people manage, I think, is like one of the hardest things as a head coach. You have to obviously tell someone either they're playing every single week or they're not playing every week. And that's essentially telling someone and like cutting their dreams on a weekly basis, knowing you're probably going to have to do that to at least one person every week. And for all the head coaches out there, it's a it's a terrible job. Like you never want to be the person that has to break that news to anyone. And like we've experienced it probably a lot more than you, Titch, as far as like getting dropped and that's a, it's a really tough pill to swallow. Like it really is. And like Craig is one of those people I, I, I've experienced it the last year whenever I was going through it, whenever I got dropped and things like that. And the way he handled it was like fantastic. And it was able to, you know, give me that confidence going forward that I knew I would be able to get that short time there to hopefully kind of launch pad back into it. But I think over the years, knowing Craig, it's, um, and you can kind of speak to this titch a bit too. It's like, he doesn't feel like someone you can't go and talk to. Like his door is always open. Um, he's always there to have a chat and just see how things are. And um, he like cracks a joke. He's not too serious, but knows when to be serious. Like there's times where he can sit there and say, you know what, we're not training at the highest standard. We need to turn things around like now. And, you know, that kind of gets a bit more, I guess, um, it's a bit more weight to it whenever he says it because he doesn't say it all the time. He's usually quite positive in everything that goes on. So whenever he says something like, get your shit together, we need to actually train harder now, everyone goes, okay, shit, like we are training pretty terrible. Like, yeah. let's turn this around. So, um, yeah, he's he's a phenomenal human, like an amazing, amazing person. It's great to, to be able to have this experience with him that we're having now. But, um, yeah, it's just been, it's been awesome. Like, it's yeah. such a, I, back to the people management thing, I think that's just like his, his one would. He's very, yeah, he's such a phenomenal person, um, first and foremost, and coach. You know, it speaks for itself. I, I agree, spot on. Um, mm. You know, the way he just values every single person in the organization, like, and he leads from the front in terms of setting the example. And I think that's why everyone follows him. And you know, this culture that's been created is 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 quite amazing. And but I think you know, from what I can gather, having done that long apprenticeship and done you know development and VFL, he's been in pretty much every everyone's shoes. You know, like he's yeah. been there with the guys. You know, who are you know, 40 to 45 on the list and he speaks up in meetings and makes them feel valued and talks about the journey of VFL. And so we're all in this collective buy-in together. It's not all about the, the guys that are just playing on game day. It's about the club. He brings the staff along. Everyone's involved. I was going to say, like, you, you you brought up, you know, challenges and hardships and, like, at the elite level, like, there's so many individual circumstances um, whether you're the top player, you're in the, you know, bottom five, whatever it is, like, you know, Everyone knows Tommy for, you know, or, you know, yourself, myself for a little stint with like good footy that you play, right? But then they don't see a lot of the um, hardship and when you get dropped and like this the stint that you play, you know, at the reserves level mm. in VFL, like you, you had a fair bit of that at Sydney as well. Like, yeah. you know, tell, tell us, uh, you know, some of the, I guess, things that you learned, coaches that yeah. you had and well, sort of things that you've taken – you were dominating the NEFL, getting like 50 touches a game, but yeah. couldn't get a game in the seniors. Mm. And then that team goes and wins a premiership and yeah. you're sitting there on the sidelines watching it. Like, mm. like put us in that scenario. Like, how do you, yeah, how do you mentally tough. deal with that? It's tough. Like, you, everyone faces adversity, don't they, at some point, whether it's in life or in footy. Um, that was really tough. Like, I, I felt like almost helpless. Like, I, I knew I was playing really good footy and I was just, I don't know. You were still young. You were still young, young, right? You were yeah. really young. You just come into it. When did you get drafted? 20. Oh. 2011 11, yeah. yeah. So 2012 was my first year. And like already what, playing that level of footy though, right? Like, yeah, you're mm-hmm. not, you, you're trying to break in the seniors and, and play and you're doing, you know, above and beyond in the, in the, in the seconds still as a 19, 18, 19, 
20 year old yeah. sort of thing. Like what's I mean, the messaging from the coach at that point? And just saying like, you know, cause I, like there is an understanding from a coach's side of, you know, you trust certain players that have been there for a long time. And it's tough to bring in a person whenever you're making a finals run that's in their first couple of years. Whenever you've got someone there that's been there for five, six, seven, eight, nine years that you trust and you know is going to be able to do the job. It's, it's not mm-hmm. ideal for either scenario or either side of the coin. Like what's, what is the feedback that a coach gives you whenever you are playing well, but you're not getting, I guess, the opportunity in the IFL level? If I cast my memory, it was, yeah, it was tough time. It was more around team balance at the time. Like we had mm. a deep midfield. Um, yeah, but it, it was, it was, you know, the messaging was you, you're doing great. Just wait for your chance. So yeah. I don't know. It's kind of a and tough that's thing. frustrating. Yeah. You're like, all right. It's tough. So just got to persist and keep going. I guess it makes you really hungry and motivated. And when I eventually did crack in, it was, um, yeah, I was just, just so motivated to, to start and grow a career. So, but yeah, back to the adversity thing, like, happens with everyone like you know uh you know i had a broken leg as well and that was you know in, in, your, in my prime like after my best footy so it it comes at all different stages you guys have experienced it you know flip you've played in the grand final and and done all sorts of things as well and coxie you've you know come from america and been on yeah, probably a bigger right. roller coaster than anyone <laughs> so but you know for that reason that life takes you on different journeys and we probably should let's talk a bit about your business as well because I'm keen to ask all you a bit about the Super like All of us, all of us are doing good stuff, right? Well, exactly. Like, that's, you know, maybe if, if you know the footy thing then didn't pan out how it has for you lately. This business you've got with Super Boost, um, you know, sports hydration. A lot of the Collingwood boys love this drink, like mm. Guinea, Quayna, the two Dacos boys. We, myself, I'm not sure if you're a fan, but I can get around it. We, we, <laughs> this is the sports drink uh, we have before. Sorry every, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll sit you a photo on the Gold Coast. Oh, no, so bro, I'll drink it, bro. We drink this before every Your game. Your brother's low, though. He's, he's all about it. So I think he's still on the bill. Is that right? Yeah. Is that, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Give, yeah, us, yeah give us a spill on this super boost, right? Yeah. So, so in speaking of that, like we're all doing our own things, right? Like I've got the podcast, you know, Tom's got ball magnets. You've got super Killing. boost. You've got Liz Pay coming in. Like, there's a lot of things and it's it's cool to see athletes doing amazing things. And I think like not only from AFL standpoint, like you've seen a lot of NBA players doing different things from the bronze, got like a tequila and stuff, you know, and all these other things they're investing in. Mm. Um, and I think it's 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 a great just kind of release from football, right? To sit there and say like, this is something I'm passionate about that's away from the field that I can kind of dive into that makes you feel somewhat normal. Like yeah. you're, you're doing things that other people are trying to do. Like give us a spiel on, on Super Boost because it's, it's a good product, first of all. If no, anyone hasn't had it, where can you get it's it? It's nowhere near as sugary as Gatorade. Mm-hmm. No, that's why I love it. Well, yeah, the, I mean, we were going to do the ad rate before, but you know, this basically with this product, it's you know very high electrolytes, low sugar, low calories, um, delicious flavors. You know, I've got these three at the moment, which are Coxie's holding the strawberry watermelon. Tommy's got the blueberry grape, and I've got the orange mango. Um, and we've got a few more coming out. You know, surely, which will be great, you know, mainly in all the 7-Elevens at the moment, IGA, which is great. Um, but, yeah, mate, like with yeah, with me, it's, it's interesting. Like I've always had, I think, and you guys would understand it, through travel, seeing mm. different cultures, going to different places, you, you see the ways that other people live um, and you sort of start to, you know, build a narrative and a, and a perspective around your life. And I know for me, you know, that football, um, you know, is so important you know, growing up through my teenage years, but I still was able to see and, you know, look at different, you know, ways of how other people lived. Luckily yeah. through traveling with family, um, traveling through, you know, high school and, and some of those trips um, that they did as part of the curriculum and seeing the way other people live and going, well, you know, I had 
you know, got drafted in the system, um, had some really strong years and then, you know, got to the end of 2019 and, and then, you know, decisions happen, things happen and you realize that, um, the footy environment, you know, is a business you've, and you know, it's, it's finite as well. Like it's not, um, you're not here forever playing this great game and the best are, and they are so consistent and, you know, cap off to them. Um, and you know, for me, it's like, I, I started to then, you know, look at, all right, what else is like, what else can I upskill myself in whilst, you know, playing footy and, and, you know, continuing to push out that career and that path, you know, how can I sort of, um, advance myself and, you know, while, while I'm young and while I'm learning and what, you know, while I'm able to educate myself, where else can I try and, um, push myself with what I can learn? So like, you know, I, like to surround myself with like-minded people. Um, you know, you guys are, you know, the epitome with that, with, you know, seeing the society in different ways, challenging different things, um, you know, being disruptive and innovative and creative in your thinking, um, you know, challenging yourself, pushing yourself, having a good work ethic. Like they're all the sort of things and the ingredients to create your own business and, and go down that sort of path. And it's, I think with the overall perspective of I want to do something that's highly valuable for a number of people in the world. So if it's hydration, if it's putting a roof over, you know, people's heads and, and, you know, creating something that aids, you know, in that development and and that sort of thing, it's like looking at what's the biggest, you know, I think a a good quote from um, Shaq, you know, he talks about, you know, investing in things that will change the world, like the Mm. the investing something, something that's going to build, the greatest value in, in what humanity will need, you know, and the biggest entrepreneurs you see, the biggest leaders in this space, um, they see the world in, in those sort of ways, pretty existentially, you know, they zoom right out and they go, all right, where they can connect all the dots, where are the biggest opportunities? And then being able to then zoom back in and be hyper-focused on, all right, what's in the short, medium, long term, how do you actually get from A to B? and consistently keep putting the hours in to be able to build something. And like, you know, for me, it's been an interesting transition, you know, from the AFL space, this concept with Superboost started um, the end of 2019, you know, and really gathered momentum, you know, throughout COVID that year of 2020 and a lot of um, product development work and that sort of things before we launched in market, you know, early last year, about 14 months ago. And now, there's been a lot of changes with the product, um, yeah, the, you know, packaging, branding. I'm calling um, it. It'll be Australia's best sports drink. Huge. In very short period of time. Hopefully. Can hopefully see seeing. You, you we'll see, talk, talk, about the, talk about the athletes that are bought in already. So Paddy Mills, Joe Ingalls, arguably two of Australia's greatest ever yeah. basketball players. Obviously, ball magnets wear can because of the athletes we have and the interest in it as well. The um, and then you've got that. like Tuke Miller, like so many guys in the AFL space, the netball. Like there's like hundreds of athletes who are – invested in this product. The thing about that, Tommy, yeah. is like it's it's the shared um, audience and, mm. and consumer base. You know, we're all consumers to something, you know, whatever that information is, whatever the material is, like it's what we decide to purchase and, and you know, buy off a shelf versus what we decide to watch on our screens. You know, each of us, um, you know, have to, you know, we consume everything and we interact and we engage with, you know, stuff every day. So if, if we can create better for your products and services and, you know, podcasts that you guys are doing that, you know, are insightful. Um, they're giving purpose and value to others listening. Like it's, 
that's that's disruptive in itself and it's like it's it's the new world order with this next generation and trying to engage and be leaders for young people coming up you know in their lives you know there's there's so much changing in the world and there's so many external forces and and controls and it's sort of how can we play a part in um trying to you know better our youth and people that grew up just like you know just like we did um how do we give back to that next generation and you know, they're the young kids that are playing sport, you know, through watching elite athletes, you know, giving their expertise through coaching, whatever it is. And then, you know, if we can give them products that are better for you, it's all sharing in that next generation. Yeah. It's been, it's been incredible to, to get to know you there. And not only you, your family also, and what you're doing with the seven women's project over in Nepal, lots of things that you're doing that are pretty beneficial for not only um, the people of the area, but just creating a better future for the generations ahead. Um, it's pretty cool. I know recently you did something for almost those indigenous communities through super boost in a basketball yeah. uh, tournament, wasn't yeah. it? So, so the not only that, you're doing, you're doing stuff with this to be able to help better people also. I yeah, think that's, well, that's important in business. That's it, man. It's, it's leveraging, um, you know, athletes and the people that are involved. Right. So, you know, someone like Patty Mills, someone like Josh Giddy, like each of us, right. We have our own social impact stories of like what we're wanting to do. Like, you know, Tommy, doing a heap of stuff with the RSPCA, like you're massive in that space, you know, and like they're the things that are the hobbies and the interests outside of um, the individual channel of sport, whatever we're doing at that elite level, it's for, you know, for Paddy and his basketball, it's all right, how can I give back to um, communities that I grew up in, you know, and give the same opportunities to, you know, Indigenous indigenous boys and girls that, um, you know, want to play basketball and try and make it just like he did. You know, so it's being able to leverage and work with um, athletes like they're um, they're part of the team. You know, they're they're part of the business, and um, it's you know, everyone works for one like mm. that. Mm. What's um? What would you say is a company motto for this? I love to ask this question. Yeah, well, at the moment, I mean, where Superboost is, you know, next generation hydration. So it's yeah. it's you know looking at um, being better for you, built by athletes, but for the everyday person so um no matter you know your situation no matter your circumstance um you know if you want to get the best out of your performance and to boost your performance and improve your recovery this is you know the best sort of drink for you at the moment we should do a few giveaways as well because i feel like for people out there well it's in 7-elevens and things but to actually try the product we're trying it right now but like you can tell it's actually like a it's, it's not, not like it's a sugary lighter, drink. It's a lighter feeling. It's yeah. coconut water. It's not the high fructose corn syrup that you would find in the power. Which is why our boys at the pies love it because it's not as sugary. You don't like feel yeah. sick at all. I reckon half our team has has one before. Even on a way trip, it's like if we where were we our last trip? Gold Coast. Brozzy, oh, that video of Brozzy was well, funny. And the boy, you see the boys the off the bus and they're waving Q. their super yeah. wrist. So, so the good. boys go down to the seven eleven, everyone get everyone gets one. It's cool. It's that, genuine. It's a, it's a good thing about uh, playing with, you know, your teammates and the experiences you have, right? Like it's all, everyone supports each other, you yeah. know, like like that and like, you know, the stuff that, you know, Tommy's done, you know, through ball mags as well, you know, that being born a little bit out of COVID when kids couldn't, you know, get around each other, mm. um, playing at their, their organized sport and that sort of stuff with their clubs and they had to then do stuff um, virtually. online virtually, right? I mean, that's a, that's a cool story. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nah. Is that the basis of Ball Magnus now is being yeah. able to provide online content for kids? Well, yeah, that's where it originated home. during COVID. I was helping out at some junior clubs, facilitating training sessions. And then obviously in COVID, no one can go train with their mates anymore. So I'm yeah. like, okay, well, how can I create something where kids can still access 
their idols and um, elite athletes who they look up to. And so, yeah, that's why I created an app, a virtual program and programs and training drills for kids who at home could still connect in that way because that's the only way you could connect. So, um, yeah, that's what the platform originally allowed kids to do and still get access to um, the athletes because I know when I was a kid, that's all I ever wanted. Every time I connected with an athlete, I, I, I remember that moment. Like I, you take those memories with you. So we just wanted to create as memory memories as, as we could virtually and and that whole experience. And now that COVID's finished and hopefully never comes back, we can get back into the community, which we've already started doing. You know, we, we plan on running some super clinics soon, getting all our ball magnets athletes, Josh Giddy, Cripper, Lockie Neal, a lot of your athletes getting together, some super camps around basketball, footy, other sports when the time comes um, to get involved and, you know, connect with everyone because they're the memories that will last lifetimes. I think it's, and, and one thing with, with what you're doing in the Mason Cox show and, you know, obviously the Ball Magnus podcast, like the last time we sat on a podcast was about oh, four years ago now. Boardroom. And that was called the board. That was the boardroom podcast. And I was Collingwood. Oh, yeah, I was. So I was doing that with a few mates out at Collingwood. Yeah, um, we did that for about two years, about fifty episodes. And Mason jumped on. Um, yeah, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every two or three <laughs> weeks. Spots, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it's good to see, it's good to see uh, this taken off as well. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's cool. It's great to see everyone doing everything. I want to say ball magnets. A lot of people think it's just football. You're also getting into the basketball side of things, correct? Correct. Yeah. Footy and basketball. So obviously Josh Kitty, yep. probably Australia's best basketball player at the moment at just 20 years of age. He, um, he runs everything in the basketball, um, aspect of ball magnets. So that's his category. Um, and yeah, we, we've just filmed uh, a number of his sessions, um, at Hoop City. He's been obviously home for the off season. So there'll be a gym sessions released by Josh Kitty, how he trains and prepares for the NBA, skill sessions, ball handling, shooting, passing. So for, any athlete out there, no matter what level you're at, um, you know, there's there's drills for everyone, beginner, intermediate, and elite. Um, and then, yeah, you've no one better to learn from than Josh, the best up-and-comer in the country. He's an absolute freak. He's a freak. He's, he's getting triple-doubles in his second year. He's yeah, been Mike. like LeBron James records. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, the really bad thing, though, is and I'll, I'll, Josh Kitty at the moment, it's – it's a sad that I picture this is whenever LeBron broke the scoring record, right? Yeah. Josh Giddy's just missed out on the photo. The iconic photo, oh. LeBron taking the jumper. It's kind of Josh like, Giddy's almost like behind was, someone. Yeah, was, was he? Was he, yeah. was he in the cave? He's about two meters away. Was he? Yeah. He yeah. yeah. Oh, it's kind of like so last funny. night. Like you want to be the guy that give Pendles the, yeah, the touch. Yeah, or kicked it to him. Who, go, who yeah. kicked it to him? Uh, I think he kicked a die Zach or something like that. No, yeah. or something, is it? You should have, yeah, should have run around for a handball or something. Yeah, something yeah. like that. But uh, yeah. no, it's, it's great yeah. to see different athletes doing different things and be able to to extend their experiences past just their football career to help mm. them build something that's bigger than just uh, what they've done on the football field. So it's been absolutely incredible. We'll wrap this up. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. It's been great having all three of us get on this podcast together and uh, build a riff, a bit of uh, off-season stories and a, and a few kind of business ideas that we're doing. But um, yeah, hopefully everyone got something out of this and uh, we'll hear from you soon. Ball Magnets Podcast would love to thank this week's brand sponsor, Superboost, the next generation in performance hydration. Superboost is the only sports drink built by athletes for the next generation, formulated to boost performance and improve recovery. Superboost is packed with electrolytes, is low in sugar and calories, and an unbeatable taste across delicious flavors, including blueberry grape, strawberry watermelon, and my favorite, orange mango. Superboost is now available at stores including 7-Eleven, IGA, and more. He's a superstar. He is an absolute superstar, Tom Mitchell. Hits at the back. 
Crips is too good. Neil, Neil, Neil. 